So we're studying Parashat Noah, and we're looking at different ideas in the Parashat. Some of it that we spoke about last week, just want to continue along those themes, specifically about the concept of Emunah and Bitachon, the concept about faith and having trust in HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Rashi, in the Parashat, writes that Noah was actually weak in his Emunah. He writes, Af Noah mikatnei Emunah haya. He was a katan in his faith. He believed and he didn't believe that the Mabul would come. And therefore, he only entered the Ark. He only entered the Teva, which we're going to speak about the Teva later uh, tonight. He only entered the Teva until it began to rain. And he was forced to go inside because of the flood. Chachamim asked a question. Doesn't the parasha begin with Noach ish tzaddik tamim haya bedorotav? Wasn't Noach a perfect tzaddik? So if he was a perfect tzaddik, how how can we understand this idea that he he, he showed lack of emunah or doubts in emunah? So Rabbi explained that emunah really has two explanations. On one hand, the way we normally translate emunah, faith, is to believe, but it also means to raise. The Pasuk says in Megillat Esther, Vahi Omen et Hadasa, that Mordechai raised Esther as his daughter. When one believes and trusts in something, then this automatically raises the value of that thing and causes it to exist. Now, Noach certainly believed with all his heart, Emunah Shelema, that the flood was going to come. But he was afraid to believe it with all his heart because he knew that his belief might actually cause it to happen. And therefore, in this matter, he didn't know what he should do. So Rashi's intent by stating this was he was ma'amin ve'no ma'amin. He believed that it was going to come, but he was afraid to believe fully that Hashem was going to bring the mabul because perhaps that belief itself would raise the reality will itself cause the Mabul to happen. And that's why he waited for the flood to actually begin to enter the Teva. So one lesson that we can learn from here is to recognize the strength of Emunan Bitachon. When one truly believes that Hashem will help him, then the Emunah itself brings down the Yeshua. Habotech Bashem Chesed Yesovevenu. David Amar says, Hashem helps those who trust in Him. But a part of the equation has to be that the emunah and bitachon make and cause it to be so. When a person has trust in God, he's not worried about parnasa. He's not worried about health. He's not going to start stealing from other people because I have trust in Hashem. So he knows Hashem is, is taking care of him. The generation of the mabul behaved the exact opposite way. They stole from one, one another. That was the Hamas mipenehem, was that they were stealing from one another because they didn't believe that Hashem gives everyone exactly what He needs. They didn't believe that it's impossible to gain anything if it's against Hashem's will. So they were called Dor HaMabul, which also means Bilbul. Bilbul or Mabul means confusion. Everyone in that generation was confused and worried as is the nature of people that don't trust Hashem. A person that has de'aga, a person that has worry, then he lacks emunah, he lacks bitachon. 
because he's worried all the time. But why are you worried? If you had emunah and you had bitachon, there's nothing to worry about. Things are going to go great. Noah was the opposite of all those people. He trusted in Hashem, like his name implies. He was Noah. La Noach means calm. He was relaxed. He was tranquil. Pasuk says, Noach matzachen b'nei Hashem. That was the end of last week's parasha. We spoke about that. Noach found favor in Hashem's eyes. The Gemara explains that Noach didn't deserve to be saved. He was only saved because Hashem found chen. He found favor in Noach. Orachayim HaKadosh explains that there is a mitzvah. In fact, there are three or four mitzvot that can cause a person to find favor in God's eyes. Chen be'enei Hashem. And Noach performed these mitzvot. And Hashem found chen in them. Now, it's up to us to try to figure out what these mitzvot are. Some explain it's hinted into the pasuk. When Noach was experiencing hard times, difficult times, and even when he was experiencing great times with his family and whoever he lived among, Noach knew it was be'ane Hashem. He knew it was in the it was through Hashem's protection and through his watching over him. And because of that emunah, he found chen, he found grace in the eyes of, of God. The Ben Ishchai says that a person that has bitachon is a segula for chen. A person that has trust in God, it's, a, it's an omen for finding grace in God's eyes. And the word, the word bitachon actually is comprised of two words, chen and tov. If you spell out the word bitachon, bet, tet, chet, vav, nun, you also get the two words of chen and tov. Because bitachon, trust, when a person has this, this emunah and bitachon in him, he brings down a grace. He brings down a, 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 an amazing amount of chen and as well a bounty of good. And that's what's hinted in the pasuk. Chen vechavod yiten Hashem loim natov laochim betamim. That those who go with tmimut and they have bitachon and they have trust that Hashem will take care of them, He will give them chen, He will give them kavod, He will give them goodness. Noach was always very calm. He was always tranquil. And that's why Noach Matzachen Ben Hashem, Midrash explains that his calmness and his tranquility, that attitude is what found favor in God's eyes. Tranquility is associated with holiness, with Kedusha. Anger is associated with impurity, with Tum'ah. Noach's name in the first Pasuk, Three times is his name mentioned in the first Pasuk. Because he was extremely calm. He was extremely tranquil in the way he spoke, in the way he walked, and in the way he did his things, the way he did, he performed his uh, day-to-day life. The people in the generation of the Mabul were the opposite. They were very anxious. They were very worried. They didn't believe the Parnassah came from God. And therefore, everyone started stealing from each other. Noah trusted, he believed in Hashem, and with that attitude, he was granted chen in the eyes of God. Another idea we see in the parasha is this concept of the teva, that Noah built this ark to protect himself and his family and the animals uh, for 40 days and 40 nights as uh, during while the rain was coming down. But really, they were in the ark for much, much longer than that. There are two translations of the word Teva. As we translate it, Teva means the ark. That's what Noah built. But Teva can also mean a word. 
a word. The, the Magid of Mezritz, very famous um, Hasidic Rebbe, says that the word Teva, which I just translated as word, is in reference to the words of Torah and the words of Tefillah, more specifically Tefillah. And the Torah says that Hashem tells Noah, Bo ata vechol betecha el teva. Come you and your entire family into the Teva. And the Magid explains, Tzarich ata lavo kol haguf vekol ramach evarecha im kol achushim el teva shel tefillah. That you must place your whole body, all 248 limbs, and all your senses into the words of your tefillah. Again, translating teva as word. Tefillah requires effort. The mind wants you to wander. The mind is, is there's a yetzerah that's making you think of a whole bunch of different things. You have to focus during prayer. You have to put all of your strength into tefillah. What are the next words of that pasuk? Where after God tells him, come into the Teva. Ki otecha ra'iti tzadik lefanai bador Because I see that you're a tzadik. Come into the Teva. Start praying with fervor because I see you're a tzadik. The Magid explains, you are a tzadik. Because you are a tzadik, then you can come into the words of Tefillah. Because when a person isn't a tzadik, when a person isn't holy, he's not tahor, he's not pure, he won't succeed into entering the words of Tefillah. And that's like the Teva, the actual ark that Noah built, didn't permit any animals who sinned with other animals. If some, if there were animals that mated with an animal that wasn't their own species, they wouldn't have been allowed. It was, it was rejecting those animals. So that, that's what the Gemara states, that the Teva only accepted the animals who weren't involved in sin. So if an animal wasn't clean from sin, then the Teva didn't accept it. And similarly, if a person isn't worthy and pure from sin, then he's going to have a hard time saying tefillah. He's going to be cast out of the teva. He's going to be cast out of the words of tefillah. Like, uh, like the teva that didn't accept the animals uh, that were pure. Then the Torah tells us, Tzohar ta'asela teva. Noah is commanded to build a window for light. To bring light into the teva. To illuminate the teva. When one doesn't pray with kavanah, when a person says tefillah and he doesn't have the proper concentration, his tefillah is in darkness. There's no light to the, to the prayer. But when prays with tefillah, every word of his tefillah shines. The Torah urges us, Let every word of your tefillah shine with your good kavanah. One needs to think about how his life is affected by tefillah. His his spouse, his children, especially on the tefillot of the Yamim Noraim, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, which just passed. HaKadosh Baruch Hu tells Noach, come into the teva, into the ark, but you were saying, come into the words, you, your sons, your wife, your son's wife, and you, your entire family is dependent on your tefillot. Your entire well-being, everything around you is dependent on the prayer that you give out to God. And on the words, when God tells Noah to leave the Teva, the Magid explains that there are times when a person needs to push the words of Tefillah aside and instead just cry out to God with all of one's heart, without saying any words. That's also a form of Tefillah. The Pasuk says in this week's parasha, Noach, 
that HaKadosh Baruch Hu remembered Noach, and then the rain stopped. And the Pasuk uses the name of Hashem, Elohim. Elohim is in reference to God's name of judgment, of harsh justice. So Rashi explains, Ze Hashem midat adinhu. This name is for justice. And the name turned into compassion because of the tefilot of the tzaddikim, of Noah. And that's why the rain stopped falling. So rabbis ask, specifically Rabbunim of Peshishcha, he asked a question. Where do we see that Noah prayed that the flood should stop? Nowhere in the Torah does it write that Noah prayed to Hashem for the rain to stop. He says it's actually alluded to in the Pasuk. The Pasuk says, Vayishar Ach Noach. And Rashi explains that what does it mean, Vayishar Ach Noach? Noach was moaning due to the hard work involved of taking care of the animals, feeding the animals. The Gemara discusses all of these hardships that Noach had to go through to feed the animals in the Teva. Some animals eat at night, some eat by day, and Noah and his family had to go and tend to all these animals to care for the animals. Once he was bitten by a lion because he brought the food late. Many of us know that Midrash. So Rabunim says that even if Noah didn't actually pray with words, his broken heart, his moaning, was in itself like a prayer before Hashem. His heart was shouting to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, please save me, I can't take this anymore. And those silent tefilot roused HaKadosh Baruch Hu's compassion, ended the flood, and set Noah free from the teva. Sometimes poor people come to the door for tzedakah. And uh, we ask for a hamlatzah, we ask for a, a, a reference. I want to see if, you know, if you're legitimate or not. Or, you know, who, who's sending you here? Who are you representing? Um, attesting that he's in, in, indeed needy. This person's really poor. But when a person comes to the door with ripped clothing, and he doesn't need to show hamlatzah, he doesn't need to show approbation to prove that he's poor. The poverty... His, his, his destitutness is, is shouting at us from the door, just based on his appearance. And, and, and this describes the tefillah a broken heart, that even without words, the circumstances in itself is like a loud shout in front of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So just to review, recap what the Magid said with regards to the teva, the word teva. Number one, we should be able to pray, we should pray with all of our 248 limbs with all our heart and our soul. Number two, one needs to illuminate the words of the tefillah by praying with kavanah. We also said that a person's life and the life of his family is dependent upon the tefillah, especially during the days of the yamim noraim. And number four, sometimes we can pray without words. It's a tefillah of yearning and pleading with all one's heart and soul to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The Gemara Masechet Brachot asks, where did the tefillot come from? And there's a big machloket there where, where it comes from. On one, one opinion is that it comes from Abraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. And one says that it comes from the korbanot. It comes from the, the daily sacrifice offerings. When discussing the proofs about Abraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, the Gemara there teaches that there are three synonyms to tefillah. The word sicha. Sicha is to converse, and that's learned from Yitzchak. Vayitzei Yitzchak lasuach basadeh, that's when Yitzchak went to pray. There's the word pegi'ah, vayifka bamakom, that was Yaakov, when he went to pray at night by Arvit. Yitzchak was mincha. And then you have amida. Amida is probably the most well-known term of prayer. It's 
we call our Shmon Esrei, Amida, that was Abraham, Asher Amad Sham, Vayamod Pinchas Vayipalel, Sicha Pegian Amida. And these three words, the acronym of these three words is Shefa. Shefa is bounty. That when a person prays, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, uh, brings down all of his shefa upon us. We are living in times of a pandemic, COVID-19. No one wants to hear those words anymore, but this is what it is. And people are gradually becoming accustomed to living with less. Some people have more difficulty attaining a parnasa, so they, they force themselves to, to survive with less. You look around at the weddings, many people got, got married over, over the COVID pandemic. And the weddings are being held in very humble settings. People attending these weddings are not used to it. But yet, when you ask them, you ask the people that managed or were a part of the few that were allowed to attend, they will attest and relate that the joy and simcha was greater than usual at these weddings. It's unbelievable. The following story took place. And although it took place before COVID, it could probably happen uh, as well now that there was a, a father who was marrying off his daughter and he was looking for ways to cut corners and spend only what was necessary for the wedding because he wasn't doing well financially. He didn't want the wedding to be too expensive for him. And one of the places that he decided to, um, to cut out was the fancy chair that the bride sits on, the kalas chair during the uh, Kabbalat Panim. And he explained to his daughter that he didn't have enough money for to rent a chair. And it really wasn't a necessity. He could just sit on a regular chair. And she disagreed. She goes, no, it's necessary. All my friends had a chair. Uh, so, um, but, you know, we, we want to do it. But the father said, listen, I'm your father. And I'm unable to help you. I can't, I can't provide the money for this chair. But you should know that you have another father. You have a father in Shamaim, Avinu Sheba Shamaim, who can help you. Ask him for a kalachir. So that's what she did. And for the days leading up to her wedding, she cried and cried, teilim, teilim, constantly. She wanted this kalachir. When the time came for the wedding, believe it or not, they entered the, the hall and there was a kalachir, a beautiful grand kalachir there waiting for her. No one knew how it got there, but she didn't ask. She sat down in the kalachir, she greeted the guests, she cried with joy. And the chair was even more beautiful than all the other chairs that maybe some of her friends had. So soon enough, they realized how that chair got there. You see, there was a different wedding that was scheduled in that banquet hall on a different floor. And they or, they're the ones that ordered the kalat chair. And accidentally, or not accidentally, nothing's accidental, the chair was delivered to the wrong floor. So the date of the wedding was the 20th of Sivan. And the family that ordered the chair was waiting until nighttime, the 21st of Sivan, before they made the chuppah, because there is a minhag among some Jews not to get married on the 20th of Sivan, because some people fast on that day. Uh, so the poor people didn't have that custom. So they were going to get married before sunset on the 20th. And the other family that ordered the chair was going to do it afterwards. Turns out, Baruch Hashem, that both brides were able to use the kala chair. Now, you listen to sort of a beautiful story. But you could probably argue that, you know, praying for a kala chair is something trivial. 
There are probably more important things in life to pray for. Um, you know, wh why, why pray for a kalachir? Pray for health. Pray for children. Pray to get married. It may be true, no question. But it's also important to pray for trivial matters because there's nothing that we shouldn't pray for. And when we do pray, all of our needs can be fulfilled through a tefillah. Once it was a group of Hasidim that heard the Rebbe pray out to Hashem, Please, Hashem, I need the maid back. I need my maid to return. So his students listened to the tefillah and they said, ah, There's probably some deeper meaning over here. You know, he's probably Kabbalistically thinking of something in his head when he said the maid. He probably didn't even meet the maid. So the Hasidim went to ask this Rebbe, What did you mean by when you said you, you want the maid back? And he said, No. The tefillah that you heard was exactly as it sounded. My wife needs a lot of help. And recently the maid left. So I prayed that the maid should return. Now that's something trivial, something small. But the Rebbe understood that to pray, it means to pray for everything that you need. The small and the large. A person needs to turn to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. We said in the Amidah of, Shalosh, of, uh, of the Yamim Noraim, Kadosh Ata Venora Shemecha. Hashem, you are holy, you are awesome. It doesn't seem right that we should turn to Him for trivial matters. But nevertheless, we say, There is no other God than you, Hashem. So, where else should we turn when we need something? There was a family once who moved to a new home. And there was this 10 year old boy who was angry with the contractor and the builder. And he said, I don't understand. Why do you have to make the counters so high? If I want to go get a treat, or if I want to make myself a drink, I have to go and ask an adult to help me. Why are the plug outlets so high? I can't plug anything in my own on my own without having an adult uh, plug it in for me. But when he became older, he realized that this was done on purpose. This was purposely planned so that young children shouldn't get hurt. Plug outlets need to be at a distance from the children. It isn't safe when young children can get to the kitchen appliances easily and the outlets easily. This little story just reminds us about the importance of tefillah. Sometimes we're upset when we see something is missing in our lives. Uh, it's, 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 that's not, that, that doesn't mean that we just have to get frustrated. You have to ask from Hashem and then, uh, and then you will get it. The Chazon Ish would say that sometimes one must do hishtadlut with deeds too. You have to do whatever you can you know, you can't depend on miracles. You can't just say, I'm going to sit back and and uh, not do anything and God's going to provide me with money. No, you have to do Ishadlut. You have to go to school. You have to go uh, search for a job. You have to apply for a job. You have to do what, what needs to be done. But if one does Ishadlut with his actions, but he doesn't pray, says the Chazonish, he hasn't completed his obligation of Ishadlut. It must come together with prayer. In fact, Tefillah is the primary hishtadlut. It's the, it's the primary consideration the person must take in order to get something that he wants. Last week we said that in the parasha that Adam the nefesh chaya, Adam Arishon was a living soul. And Unkalus famously translates this as lenefesh memalela, a speaking soul. That man's essence is his ability to speak. But if you think about it, when Adam Arishon was created, he was created alone. Chava wasn't created yet. There was nobody to speak to. So why would God create Adam with the ability to speak if there was no one to speak to? So it must be 
that man was created to speak with God. The purpose of, of his creation is to pour out his heart in tefillah. And a piece of advice that helps a person have kavanah is to think about that. That there's only you and Hashem. There's nobody else. That's what is implied in the words, Ani vahu hoshiana. We said this a lot over Sukkot, uh, the holiday of Sukkot. Ani vahu hoshiana means, Ani vahu, only myself and Him and Hashem. And even when I'm among other people, since nobody sees what I'm thinking about, nobody sees the secrets of my heart and my mind, only HaKadosh Baruch Hu can help me, only HaKadosh Baruch Hu can save me from the tzarot, uh, uh, and therefore I depend solely on Him. And that's why people don't interfere. I pray, I close my eyes, I read from my Sidur, and I'm talking to God. This is the implication of Ani Vahu. There's only me and Hashem. Hoshiana. And when one prays with this thought in mind, salvation will come uh, through his uh, through his tefillah. The Mesilat Yesharim, one of the great books of Musar, writes, and when a person prays, he should think that he is standing in front of the King of Kings, Melech Malchea Melachim. Achachamim write, mitpalel, and when you do pray, mitpalel, know who you are standing in front of. Know that you are standing in front of Borei Olam, the creator of the world, and that you're speaking with him, and that no eye can see him. Someone with a straight mind, with a drop of any sort of contemplation and thinking kavana, you can plant this idea into your heart, that you're actually talking to God, you're begging from him, and Hashem is going to hear your words just like when you talk to your friend. There was once a non-religious Jew that walked into a yeshiva in a small village in Erz Israel when they were praying Mincha. And uh, he didn't really know what he was doing. You know, he, was, he wasn't observant. But after the tefillah, some of the people asked him, no, you just witnessed uh, a prayer. You witnessed tefillah Mincha. What was your impressions? And he replied, I saw a lot of students swaying back and forth like this, going back and forth, back and forth. But there was this old man standing near the wall. And that was actually Rabbi Eliel Lopian Zecher Tzadik Libracha. He said, I noticed this old man standing by the wall. And clearly he was speaking with someone. And that is how tefillah needs to appear. With emunan, recognition that you're actually speaking with someone. Who's that someone? With HaKadosh Baruch Hu. To just sway back and forth and look in the sky and not really focus. Yeah, you'll fulfill your obligation of tefillah. But are you really talking to, to God? A segula, and we'll uh, probably conclude with this idea. A segula for the tefillah to be answered is to pray for Hashem's honor. For example, when one prays for parnasa, when he prays for wealth, one can express his tefilot in his tefilot that if Hashem gives him parnasa, he will have more time to learn Torah. That's what a person should say. God, I'm praying for health because if I'm healthy, I'll serve you better. I'm praying for for money because if I have money, I can go and learn more Torah. So always have God's honor in mind. When the tefillah is for Hashem's honor, then the tefillot will be answered. We want to see amazing proof. Chachamim say that after the sin of the spies, the sin of the Meraglim, Hashem contemplated destroying the Jewish nation. And Moshe saved, him, saved them with his tefillot. He prayed for two points. Two points was part of his prayer. 
He said, Hashem, if you destroy the nation, it's going to create the Chilul Hashem. It's going to create a desecration of your name. Because the nations of the world are going to say that God doesn't have the power to bring them into Israel. That's what they're going to say. That's what's going to happen if you wipe them out now in the desert. And he also said to God, Hashem, Hashem chesed. God, you should have compassion on the Jewish nation. You're slow to anger. So what did Hashem reply to Moshe Rabbeinu's prayer? Salachti kidvarecha. I forgive them as you said. And Rashi there says beautifully, because of what you said, that the nations of the world are going to say that Hashem doesn't have the power to bring them into Israel, it was specifically that prayer that saved them and not the prayer that, that uh, Hashem should have Rachmanut on them. The fact that Moshe Rabbeinu used that point for Hashem's honor, that's what caused God to, to forgive the Jewish people. In fact, our Rabbi Salas, Mitzvah Lefarsim, we have to publicize that Rashi. That Rashi is so important so that people will know to, to pray for God's honor and then their tefillot will be answered. And lo and behold, how do we end our tefillot? All of our Shmon Esrei, how do we end our tefillot? What do we say at the end? Well, we say, Aseh leman shemach, Aseh leman yeminach, Aseh leman toratach, Aseh leman kedushatach. Answer us for your namesake, for your right, for your yeminach, your right arm. Answer us for your Torah. Answer us for your holiness. And the, and the poskim say that when one says these words with full concentration, it, it rouses a huge commotion in Shamayim. And those people who are cautious in saying these words so carefully, the two writes, he will merit welcoming and receiving the face of the Shekhinah. The specialness of this tefillah is that after we say Amidah, and we've asked for everything that we wanted to ask and we thanked Hashem for everything that He gave us and we praised Him for everything of, of who He is and what He does. We request that Hashem answer our tefillot for His honor, for His sake. And that is the special tefillah. And the first letters of those five, four things, Suleiman Shemach, Yeminach, Toratach, Kedushatach, the first letters, spell out the word Kashti. Kashti is none other than my rainbow. Not a coincidence that this is the parasha of the rainbow. The Khatam Sofer says that every, uh, he would say every year that this is what's hinted in this pasuk. Et Kashti Natati Be'anan. Hashem says, I placed my rainbow in the cloud. That's what's written in Parashat Noach. The Khatam Sofer didn't explain what he meant by, uh, in his intention, but it was his student that's explained based on the Pasuk in Megillat Echad that we recite on Tisha B'Av, where the Prophet says, Sakota be'anan lecha me'avor tefillah. That since the Beit HaMidash was destroyed, there's a cloud in heaven. And that cloud prevents the tefillot from going up, unfortunately. When the Bet HaMikdash was destroyed, the gates of tefillah are closed. But this pasuk is hinting, et kashti natati be'anan, that this cloud can be penetrated and the tefillot will go up when one prays, how? In the form of my rainbow, in the form of my kashti, in the form of shemach, when you pray 
for Hashem's honor, the tefillot will penetrate that cloud and go up and sit right next to Hashem's throne. And that's how He answers us. So it's incumbent upon us, we spoke a lot today about tefillah, to work on our prayer. We have the opportunity multiple times a day to come close to Hashem through tefillah. We close our eyes, we focus. We have the ability to our, ourselves to have those tefillot answered. And Bezrat Hashem, through all the messages of tefillah, of teva, of, of shining light for our family, for ourselves, realizing how much we are dependent on that, we'll be zoche uh, to have Hashem be mekabel our tefillot, will be shomea tefillatenu, and Bezrat Hashem will be zoche to merit seeing welcoming and receiving the face of God's holy presence. Amen.